Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. I'm Joey Pizzolatto, editor of Auto Finance News, and joining me is Amanda Harris, associate editor of Auto Finance News, and special guest Jaspreet Kalra, associate editor of Bank Automation News, a sister publication to Auto Finance News, who's dialing in. Uh, this is our weekly wrap for what happened in auto finance for the week ending June 18th, 2021. As always, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Agora Data, Alpha, Defy Solutions, MarketScan, and Strook and & Strook and & Levon for their continued support. In general news, nearly half of small businesses are unable to fill job openings, according to the National Federation of Independent Businesses. A record high of 48% of small business owners in May were unable to fill openings. May is the fourth consecutive month of record high readings of unfulfilled job openings, and it is 26 point higher than the 48-year historical reading of 22%, according to the NFIB. The Federal Reserve has began talking about the process of paring back or tapering its stimulus programs. The Fed has been injecting around $120 billion a month into financial systems, and inflation continues to be a looming concern, with prices increasing 5% year over year in May. In auto finance, we're pleased to announce that Kevin Colum, president and CEO at Nissan Motor Acceptance Company, will be joining the team for a fireside chat at the Auto Finance Summit, which returns to Las Vegas October 27th through the 29th. Head over to autofinancesummit.com and check out the agenda for more details on the event. In other news in auto finance, repossession volume remains at about half of pre-pandemic levels despite an uptick in, in October of 2020. Government stimulus in the first quarter of 2021 and tax season has largely helped keep delinquencies down, but there is concern in the asset recovery industry that filling job vacancies will continue to present headwinds, potentially creating a bottleneck when repossessions inevitably normalize in the second half of the year. And now to last week's biggest story. Blockchain and cryptocurrency company Carnomaly is looking to enter the auto finance market by allowing cryptocurrency holders to stake their crypto capital for consumer auto loans. Jaspreet is joining us today to give us a rundown on the basics of cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. Jaspreet, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, I, I suppose, you know, we can start with the most obvious question. Uh, assuming that our audience knows little about cryptocurrency and decentralized finance, on a high level, you know, what, what do they need to know? Um, I would begin by saying that the sort of most immediate comparison is a history lesson wherein the most you know primary forms of currency the most sort of original forms of currency were also commodities like coffee or chocolate and it seems weird now that people were exchanging coffee blocks or chocolate blocks to exchange value but at the same time cryptocurrency sort of re tries to reinvent the idea of money by saying that instead of having all money being issued by nation states and central banks why don't we create a system that is a peer-to-peer -peer currency? And I think that's the sort of real starting point for understanding cryptocurrencies and understanding that you don't need a central issuer to be able to exchange value. So you can write software code to do that. And that's where Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the other cryptocurrencies really begin. 
So where does a uh, quick follow up question for you? Um, where does like their where do they get their value from? Like you mentioned, you know, you have sort of these, you know, back, uh, currency backed by like an asset. Um, where where does the value come from in crypto? Well, uh, for all of the currencies, like say the U.S. dollar is valuable because an X number of people across the world find it profitable to hold the dollar and transact in it. Similarly. In many ways, now this sounds very oddly philosophical and weird at the same time, but cryptocurrencies get their value from whatever people ascribe their value to be. So if more and more people think that, say, a Bitcoin or an Ethereum is valuable, the value rises. If people think it's less valuable, the value dips. Gotcha. Great. Well, that is a good way to kind of put in perspective what this is. Um, I think we also want to talk about, you know, just how big... Uh, cryptocurrency, you know, kind of is in the industry. Um, so when you think about the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem, what's the total market size in terms of available capital? Can you kind of put, lay that out for us? Sure. I mean, so from a very high level, the market cap of all cryptocurrencies in existence, and there's literally thousands of them, would is around $1.3 trillion. But at the same time, I would add a small footnote there saying market cap is sort of a uh, unfair metric to measure the value of any currency because market cap essentially implies the price of a asset or an equity multiplied by the price and say bitcoin and ethereum being extremely volatile assets extremely sort of also mercurial assets in many ways much like all other cryptocurrencies can lose a lot of market cap very immediately so market cap really sees its origination in traditional finance in the way we measure equities. So there's also a market opportunity and then market cap becomes a ratio of that opportunity. But if you're thinking the overall opportunity for any currency, there's probably a hundred, more than a hundred trillion dollars worth of equities going around. There's more than a thousand trillion dollars worth of fiat currency going around. So, I mean, a small sort of lick of salt there when we think about market cap and cryptocurrencies. And so that, that's a pretty big number, um, you know, that's available out there, I think. Um, so when we think about that, obviously, we had the, the recent story um, with the company kind of using this, um, you know, related to consumer auto loans. But have you heard of, you know, other companies or another company using crypto as capital to make consumer loans? Is this maybe, you know, a new trend that's starting or just an opportunity um, within the, the market? Um, so I think this is something that has existed for some time, like crypto exchanges like Binance already do offer crypto collateralized loans. There are banks in Switzerland, but I think there's one called SEBA, Seba Bank, which also offers loans in terms when you put up, you can put up crypto collateral and get a fiat loan in exchange. But as compared to the overall opportunity for the size of the market that can be, this is still relatively a very nascent trend. And if you look at the world of decentralized finance, which is essentially putting all of Wall Street on the internet, is the sort of one-liner answer for what DeFi is. This decentralized finance is a lot of that. You put put in a lot of your crypto as collateral, you put in your stable coins as collateral and you're able to sort of take a loan against that. Mm -hmm. This, um, and I could be wrong, but it seems like other people are putting their crypto up so that somebody else can take out a loan. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever heard of, of, of that sort of dynamic? 
Yeah, that, that's also what decentralized finance does. Basically, I mean, like any other bank, right? Say some people are depositors, some people are creditors. So the reason people deposit is one is they want to A, save, safeguard their assets, safeguard their cash, and B, they want to earn some yield on it. So similarly, within decentralized finance, you have protocols that allow you to do the same thing. You put in your assets into a protocol on some yield on it that can vary between in 3% to 35%, depending on the protocol, there is an amount of risk you're comfortable with. So yeah, that is starting to happen. But at the same time, DeFi right now is really for the tech initiated and the crypto initiated people who are really sort of well-versed in dealing with these technologies. If we're thinking about doing it for the average Joe, no, that, that hasn't really happened yet. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So, you know, We've seen Bitcoin kind of like, you know, skyrocket, um, you know, potential returns on, on crypto are, are really high. So, so I'm wondering, like, what, what do you think the adoption for or in, the potential for increased adoption to this could be, right? You know, are, are people really, really going to be able to or really want to kind of ch exchange their crypto um, for, you know, say, as high as like 14% returns on like an auto loan, like a subprime auto loan, when they could potentially be, you know, tripling that return on their crypto. I, I, feel, I feel like it's kind of a, a con, not a conflict of interest, but like a double-sided sword, if you will. Sure. I, I see the point you're making there, but with crypto also, I would say that crypto to a lot of people right now is the early days of the internet. No one really knows how to value these currencies or save assets. No one really knows what the future will look like. And like in any other field, predicting the future is a beast. And given how fast things move in financial technology, there is no one who can authoritatively say, you know what, Bitcoin is going to be worth X tomorrow or five years from now or 10 years from now. But what we're really starting to see what Bitcoin does is in some ways many very similar to what MSN did or what NAOL did. It pushed us towards the direction of going digital and going towards the internet. So what might be happening today with BTC or Ethereum or Cardano or any of the other cryptocurrencies may also push into things like CBDCs in the future where people want to be more comfortable with how they handle cash. So is it going to be a trend in the future? I wouldn't commit to it. Could it be a trend in the future? For sure. Yeah, it could be because given the interest and rate environment that we presently live in on a macro level, people who have money are indeed very frustrated about the fact that treasuries almost yield negative returns. So where do you find that yield if you have $10 million sitting around? And when you have all these products giving you that increased yield, that increases the interest in such products. So the sort of long view on this is that will people want to stake their collateral given the volatility in the market could give them better returns? Some might, some might not want to. But also a point that is emerging around the discourse around cryptocurrencies is that cryptocurrencies won't be unusual for eternity. There might be some point where people will realize, okay, this is useful or this is not useful. At that point of time, you could see a normalization of values. And that's when I think the decentralized finance part becomes really important because right now it's about, oh, look at that new shiny thing. And in the future, it's going to be, what can we do with that new shiny thing? Great. Well, Jasper, thank you again so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and thanks to all our listeners. We want to hear from you. Rate the roadmap on whichever platform you use to listen and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. 
Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next week.